I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. No one knows how to create a brand better than Aliza Licht. She ran and created the very successful DKNY PR girl anonymous social media profile that really started that whole thing. And she ran that for a long time. She has 20 years of experience. She wrote a book called Leave Your Mark, and now she's written a second book called On Brand. And I basically have such a hard time with the idea of how to get over the cringe factor of self-promotion and to think about yourself as a brand, not as a person. I think I speak for a lot of women, especially women who didn't grow up in the world of influencers, where this is really tricky. So I appreciate Aliza, who is the same generation and comes with the same hangups And she sort of broke it down in her book and in this episode. So you're welcome. First of all, I think we could maybe start with just defining how I see personal branding in this book, because I think there's a lot of demystifying and misconceptions about what people should be doing. So I think going on social media and talking about yourself all day and all the amazing things you're doing and achieving, that is not what I'm suggesting. I think it's about understanding what you want to be known for, shaping that narrative and making sure other people see you that way. And that can be in person, it can be over email, it can be on social media. So when we talk about promoting yourself, it's really about understanding how to do it strategically and elegantly. And I have a rule of thumb in the book where for every one time, and this is not like a hard fast rule, but generally every one time that I'm going to be like sharing something great about myself or here's the book I'm launching. I really make an effort to amplify like at least five other people or support or pay forward or like bring light to other people so that it's not just like me, me, me. No one wants to hear about us all day long. And I, but I think at the same time, it's important for people to understand what you're doing or what you're trying to do. I think it is important from the way I see it. You do a very good job of doing that, exactly what you you just said, where you're like supporting other people and you're really pushing their message out. So when I'm hearing from you, I'm not only hearing from you about yourself. Let's just roll it back a hot second. You know, this is your second book. You have, your first book was Leave Your Mark. You really cut your teeth for 20 plus years in branding and PR and comms. So this is an area that you feel like professionally, you're really successful and you own. So you're not stepping into a world that you can't speak with authority about, which also lends itself to it being a little bit less cringy when you're like, no, I'm actually an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so this is your second book now. It's called On Brand, and it's Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. So, and so much right now is about brand. And in the second shift, we deal with a lot of women who are in their mid-career and maybe they've been in a job for 20 years and they haven't really thought about how the world views them or they're been out of the workforce and like, you know, you're defined as like 
mom, sister, brother, you know, whatever it is, daughter, wife, and your partner, and you're not really thinking about who you are. So you go through very specific step-by-step how to think about your own personal brand identity, no matter what it is. It doesn't even have to be because it's something where you're like going to be an influencer or try to start a brand. I mean, thank you for nailing that, Jenny. I think it starts with what I had to do to rebrand. I was at one job for 17 years. You know, I am 48 years old, so I I can relate to, I'm a member of the second shift. Like I signed up for the second shift right when I left my job of 17 years. I created a very well-known social media personality that I was the face and voice of. And then all of a sudden I left this job. Yes, I had come out with my book, Leave Your Mark, but at the same time, I was faced with a little bit of an identity crisis because, you know, when you're used to the executive title, you're used to the credibility of your company. I had millions of followers. Like I was really, really well known. And then you go, you know, I'll never forget that first Monday of no job waking up and and really being super freaked out of like, well, who am I now? I mean, I literally remember signing up second shift and I'm like, this is a really in-depth application. Like, I hope I get in. (laughs) But really, that is kind of why this book starts off that way, because we need to put the same effort and equity into our own names. And in Leave Your Mark, I I coined it last name syndrome because I was Aliza from DKNY and I was really proud. And I, that was my identity. Work becomes your identity, but it really should be additive to who you are as a person from the beginning. So this book and on brand, that is what I'm teaching people to do is to value what their name means and how other people see them. So I have a friend who, let's use her as an example. So she's worked at Condé Nast in marketing, integrated marketing for 20 years. And now her contract, she's been in a contractor role, her contract is up and she's looking for a new opportunity. And so she comes to me and she joined the second shift and she's like, oh my God, I, I want to, I'm not retiring. I want to keep working, but like, I haven't looked at my LinkedIn. I haven't looked at my resume. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she has to now go out and figure out what does she want to do? Who's going to hire? And I see this happen all the time. There's like a super crisis of competence and identity when you have been somewhere that you're like, well, this is where I work. Well, this is what I do. And now who am I? Who's going to want to hire me? How would you advise her to think from like day one, okay, tomorrow's that Monday that I'm not going into work. What am I doing? First of all, I love this example because this is literally why I wrote On Brand. Because it is about holding people's hands through this process. So in the book, we go through all of sort of my 10 commandments of personal branding. And then there is mental gymnastics sections where you actually do the work. So how do you think about your LinkedIn bio? How do you think about your other social media bios? How do you think about cold pitching people or asking people for warm intros or earning back some social capital or really sort of channeling that confidence to have executive presence, to show up at a conference that you haven't been at in a while because you haven't needed to. I think part of what happens to all of us working for these sort of high profile companies is that you get a little lazy. You you forget that like your name is not actually on the door. 
right? So the idea of really embracing who this person is and how she wants to shape that narrative in every medium she's in. And it starts with the uncomfortableness of making sure your network understands what you're trying to do or where you need guidance and putting yourself out there and saying, hi, I just left my, you know, my role of 20 years at this company. I know we haven't caught up in a while. I'd love to hear where you're up to and catch you up on what I'm looking to do and see if there's a way we can help each other. But you have to sort of put the pride away and make those communication asks because no one's going to know what you're trying to do unless you tell them. Okay. Example two, we've got a woman who is successful in her career and she has a book coming out and she is an expert at that thing. And she is very uncomfortable with self-promotion. And in a lot of ways, it has, I believe, hindered her brand name and the like reach and monetary success that she has. Because she's very well-known and she's very well-regarded, but she's not comfortable doing the work or putting herself out in the way that like, again, going back to feeling cringy or like, you know, you're like, I'm too old. I don't care about that. But now she has this book. She has something she's got to sell and she's got to be out there self-promoting. What's this first step she takes when she has to now rethink because it's a, now it's a monetary proposition. It's not just something where she's beholden to this, to her publisher and all the people who are counting on her. Well, the first thing I would say is she has to get over it because it's required. And I think part of, you know, the mantra that I have in on brand is personal branding is, is not a choice anymore. Like it's required because we live in a world that is basically virtual. So you can easily become invisible. You're not showing up. You're not running over to someone's desk. You're not going out every night necessarily like we used to back in the day. I mean, Jenny, you probably went out every single night back in the day. So did I. We're in a little bit of a different place in the world right now where if you're not taking control of your narrative, people are making up their own version of you. And that's the danger. And that, you know, as a former publicist, it's like always we would think of like, what's the headline? What's the hook? What are we, how are we leading the witness to tell the story in the way we want them to? So in the sort of executive presence, um, presentation, own the room section of On Brand, I begin with the story that growing up, I had a stutter. I literally would avoid speaking in public in any way, shape, or form. Like I wouldn't do book reports. I wouldn't do school plays, nothing. I was petrified of speaking. And now I've done Good Morning America. So that's all to say that if you practice and you train with the right people, you can get comfortable. And I like what you say. You don't, you don't really have a choice right now, no, unless you your choice, choice is to be invisible. And that's how you want to like be in life. If you have anything that you want to do professionally, your choice is that you have to be out there. And especially I think for women in like mid to senior level, like you can be invisible very easily in a very highly and viral youth culture. Yes. And I also think part of having a strong personal brand is marrying how you see yourself with how other people see you. 
And really at the end of the day, the goal is to have your name be dropped in rooms you're not in, right? To be recommended for something that you didn't even know was an opportunity, but someone thought of you because they know the value you add and they know what you do. I suffer from the same thing. I, you know, I was in TV and that was for a million years. And I always wanted to be Diane Sawyer. That's what I wanted to be. And then I, I worked in TV behind the scenes, producing whatever. And I, I did go on camera, but I have to say, like, I found it in a lot of ways, depending on the job, painful. <laughs> I didn't like, and I kept, I was like, well, this isn't great because this is all I've ever wanted to do. And I'm not really <laughs> that comfortable. And I don't really like doing it that much depending on, you know, what I was doing. And now I have like this company and, you know, we're the face of it. And I, for years felt kind of uncomfortable even putting this out. It was easier when it was a company that you were putting out like the second shift as its own brand than to own and step forward as like a person who's responsible or the face of the brand. And you can't, you can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. But also I think that people want to connect with founders. Yeah. You know, you have a company, the second shift is, is an amazing company and it's in a brand on its own, but the people behind it are really what people connect to. And I think, listen, I started on social media very late because I was DKY PR girl and I was anonymous for two years. I didn't want anyone to figure it out. So Aliza Lick did not have social media till years later. When Instagram started pushing reels, I was like, oh, hell no. I don't want my entire face to be all over my feed. I don't want to be speaking to camera. I don't want to be doing that, even though I'm perfectly comfortable on television. I'm perfectly comfortable on a stage. Yeah, but speaking to camera that. is awkward and you feel weird and you feel attention seeking. So I, in thinking about how to make it palatable, I was like, okay, it cannot be this heavy lift. Like, what can I do? How can I make content creation fit into what I'm already doing? So every morning I'm getting ready at my makeup table, put a ring light over there, make it super low lift, really casual. That was step one. Step two was the actual messaging. And I decided for me to feel comfortable doing that, it needed to be in service of whoever's listening. So if I can inspire or educate or advise, then I felt okay about it because I was, I was offering something. So I think if you think of it in terms of like, how can you help someone else through your content strategy? It makes it much easier to digest, especially if you're like not that into it in the first place. Do you recommend that people meld personal and professional? Because like I've kept my things very separate. There's like the second shift, full on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And it's very like focused on professional stuff. It's not like, here's my kids. And then there's, you know, the stupid pictures of my kids on my own private personal stuff. There's also, it's not just me, it's me, Gina Kemp. So, you know, it makes more sense. How do you navigate that and recommend what people do with that? So there's no rule that says to be successful on social media, you need to share everything in your private life. So that's a choice, right? So first of all, I think it's perfectly fine to separate your company, your brand from you personally. I do think there is a lot more 
crescendo that can happen and sort of halo effect for your company if you sprinkle yourself into that strategy. So I'm not talking about the kids, but as a founder showing up on that other feed to Mm -hmm. make a connection to the audience. But no, I think it's completely fine that it's a decision, right? And I think people need to, and this is part of the exercises in the book, is understanding like, well, how much do you want to share? Or maybe you don't want to be on social media at all. And then what does that look like? And how can you build your personal brand without it? There's certain things that are non-negotiable, which I do share in the book, but- What are non-negotiable? You must be on LinkedIn. Must. And LinkedIn doesn't feel that cringy. No, because it's a professional social network, but I think there's also a way to do LinkedIn well. And you and, have to be active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yes, and it's not that, just throwing up a page and and, and yeah. connecting with people, right? And on brand, I, I take you through the exercises of like creating a Venn diagram, thinking about what you speak about a lot or what you want to speak about, finding that center middle, thinking about, okay, what are your guardrails? What are things that you absolutely want to make sure you talk about? What are things that you are not going to touch? you know, what are you comfortable with from a content perspective? Maybe you're not comfortable in video. Then what does that mean for your content strategy? So all of that goes into it. And I try to make it really, really simple because, you know, people who are reading this are not like social media managers. They're like regular people who maybe want to just increase their visibility and their own voice. And that's, I think the goal is to get more comfortable understanding how you want to show up. Yeah. It's so funny because like, you know, we have kids that are similar ages and it's so second nature to them. They were born in it. They're born in it. It's so second nature to them. The It's so fluid. The, the idea of like, no, you put this here. No, you never, you know, put this kind of picture here. You, this is how you, you own the, the way that you are presenting yourself in such a savvy way. For these like little kids. It's like one day it hits. One day they're little and they're doing like stupid dances and don't care. And then like the next day these kids are on it and they know their personal brand, their friends, where they do, what they do. And these kids are like, it's almost like they're like baby influencers. Well, yes, but I think, you know, the one thing, and I've certainly spoken about this with my kids, I have, you know, Sabrina's 15 and Jonathan's 18 how they speak on social media to their friends and on Snapchat DM is not how they can speak in a professional environment. So making them understand email correspondence and like, especially like Jonathan had his first internship last summer. And I'm like, do you even know how to send a proper email? You're not abbreviating in the way that you guys speak on social DMs. Like, so there is, there's that. W-Y-D. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, Exactly. So, or, or acting like your best friends with your boss when you, you just started working with them. There is definitely, maybe this is the next book. Yeah, that's a good, you know what? It would actually be a great book because I, I even had that this year where my son had to write a bunch of thank you notes. And I was like, this is totally <laughs> unacceptable. How you think you're going to write this? Like, we're going to do it again. And no, we're going to do it again. And I made him rewrite the notes and I know it made me sound like a crazy person for a little bit, but this is a life skill you need to know how to do. And no one else is teaching you this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because a thank you note, again, on your personal brand, things that you need to know, things you need to know how to write a thank you note, how to show up, because that is 
in essence, the mark you leave afterwards. Absolutely. Can we talk about executive presence for a second? Yes, let's do it. I think that's a section that is very interesting, and I'd love to just dive into that for a minute. How do you define executive presence, and and how do you create it? Especially if you don't feel like you are it. I think it is a little bit of understanding the effect you have when you walk into a room, right? And Alisa Cohn is is my um, startup coach expert in on-brand, and the way that she phrases it is having weight in a meeting. Like how much weight do you have in a meeting? And that changes based on your seniority. For me as a person, I think it's understanding that you deserve a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. And once you're sitting there, you're contributing in a way that you are sharing ideas and you're coming to the conversation with a unique perspective. Because I think part of executive presence, it really does go hand in hand with thought leadership and not being afraid to say why you think something is a good idea or isn't a good idea. And that is something that I will say, like I definitely get this from my mother, but we were always, my sister and I were always raised to have a very strong point of view. So even when I was like a PR assistant back in the day, I always was confident to say why I thought something was a good idea. And sometimes probably to the wrong person, like to the CEO of the company or whatever, but like, that's how you manage up too. So I think understanding that you have value in a situation, in a meeting, in a presentation, and being able to articulate that value is what executive presence is. So do you think that there's been kind of like an old model So the old model in that meeting was very sort of like a masculine energy Mm -hmm. coming in and trying to like, maybe not so much in like, depending on the industry you're in, (laughs) like my companies definitely doesn't have any sort of masculine energy or real hierarchy, but there have been, and in, in the past, in other jobs I've had there, you know, you walk in and I think some of the inauthenticity people feel or the fear that they have and like lack of confidence came from feeling like they needed to pretend to be more like, you know, the suits in the room and really not owning what they bring to the table. Being a woman, the femininity, the the strength that you bring to it, the perspective that you have, the buying power you have, the experience you have, not being afraid to speak up. So do you think that's like a paradigm that's shifting now and with books like yours, especially teaching people how to like own themselves in their own skin? Such a good question. You know, I think that part of having that confidence and being able to channel it, and it's not that you're bulldozing a meeting and you're coming in like you own it. It's more that you're prepared and you know how you're going to contribute. And I think a lot of people use the meeting to prepare. And the better way to do it is asking for an agenda in advance, knowing what the discussion points are going to be, doing some research ahead of time, thinking through, do you have any ideas that you'll be excited to share off the bat? And that goes for any level of person. That can be a coordinator at a company, can impress their entire organization by coming prepared like that. But so I think it's about being able to confidently share ideas. And the only way you can do that is to know that you are adding value. And the only way you can do that is if you are prepared. 
I couldn't agree more. I believe like I'm the deepest researcher preparer there is. Because I also, based on my experience in the past being an interviewer, I was always so scared in a lot of ways. Like the way that I felt safe, secure, and confident in being able to like hold my own was by knowing that I knew everything, that I was prepared, that I had all the information and that like, there was no winging it. As you get older, you know, you can, you can fake it a little more, but to be honest, look, I I still have all my notes. I've done my research. I don't show up. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I just, I I think that, you know, it's, it's a good lesson in life to be professional and to be taken seriously. And and if you want to be taken seriously, you have to take yourself seriously. Absolutely. Okay. So you've written now two books. Where does your self-confidence come from? You mentioned your mom, but like, do you ever feel impostery, you know, or do you just like so fully own this brand of who you are and your own confidence? Okay. Well, first of all, I said no to my first book deal because I was scared to write it because I thought no one would read it. So let's start there. I think what I've been able to do is, and I put this in on brand, is rebrand fear for myself. And this is what I hope other people will do because we all feel it. We all sometimes feel inadequate or like, how did we get here? Or do we deserve to be here? There's people who know more. Like, why did I get it? Why am I the one? So there's a couple of questions that I you know, pose in the book. And the first one is like, why not me? Like, why can it not be you? right? Every single person has a unique perspective. No one has the same experience. Everyone has their own personal brand. That's what's beautiful about personal branding. Like no one can have yours. Like it's individual, but yes, I mean, I think it's identifying the fear and asking yourself like, okay, why am I scared? So for leave your mark, it's like, I said no. And then the editor was like, well, like you tweet so many times a day, like it's not that big a deal. Like you already are writing hundreds of words a day. And I basically put it off. And then when I really looked at it, I was like, well, why am I scared? I'm scared because I don't know what I'm going to write about. I'm scared because what if people hate it? I'm scared because what if no one buys it? All the things you can convince yourself as to why you shouldn't do something. And then I said to myself, well, that's exactly why you have to do it. And even with the Leave Your Mark podcast, Jenny, I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. And I met with all these producers and I was like so confident because I was like, I have a best-selling book, Leave Your Mark. And now this is going to be the podcast and it's going to be all about career advice, freshly brewed on Sundays because there's a coffee cup on my cover. And everyone said no. Everyone said no. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong about myself. Maybe I'm not good enough. And then I said to myself, why not me? Why am I going to let all these no's tell me that I shouldn't do something? So I Googled how to do a podcast. And now I think I've had like 165 episodes, which you've been on. So I think it's, we're going to have the fear, but I think it's just the rebrand of the fear. That's really important. A lot of people are afraid because they feel like they're going to be judged. We are being judged. All of us are being judged. And so, you know, they, but they hear their like friends in the back of their head, like, you know, all the bitchy people who, what they could say or what, you know, and it's like, it's overriding that. Yes. But also all those people, I mean, you have to really be careful who you listen to, right? You want to listen to 
the voices that have the best intentions for you, or even better, see a better version of you than you see yourself. And I think at the end of the day, the people who are the naysayers are the ones that wish they were doing it. Yeah, that's a good perspective. Okay, so I want to talk about your community, and then I will let you go off on your day. You've <laughs> created a Leave Your Mark community, which yes. is very cool. And I, I really yeah. think that like the way you've put it together and the different like tiers and things. So if, let's say somebody has read these books and they really want to get going and kind of like don't know where to, to begin. Walk us through the Leave Your Mark community and what the options are available to them. Thank you for asking that. So I think basically, you know, I'm in a lot of women's groups as you are, and those groups mostly are for people who are really more well along their way. So I'm really targeting a little bit of the earlier side of after college through the first 15 years of working. And it really, the inspo was, it's really a way for me to mentor. And honestly, this was not my idea. I was DM'd one day by this young woman named Eliana Meyer, who was like, I read Leave Your Mark. I know all about your career. I feel like there's a gap between people who were around back when you were DKM PR girl and like this new sort of generation of women who could really use the advice, but don't know who you are. And I was like, wow, this is quite the DM. So I was like, <laughs> let's jump on a Zoom. And we did. And we decided to sort of build this together. And it's been through it, a couple iterations. It started off as a boot camp, and that was great, but also really intense because I had a full time job at the time. And now it's really, I mean, it's a Slack community, it's super chill, and it's a way for people. Well, it's first of all, it's very curated. So it's vetted, and your LinkedIn profile is how you sort of apply. There's an application process. And then there's the silver level, which is just like, come, you know, get approved, be in the Slack, meet like-minded people. I'm in there, always there, you know, a DM away for a quick question or whatever. And then there's the gold and, and the platinum, which is more like one-on-one -on -one time with me. So if you need interview coaching or you need negotiation skills, or you have an issue and you want to like troubleshoot. So that's more just like private time. So it's something that I, I'm really, the tiers are actually quite new and I'm testing it out to see how it works because I'm trying to think through how to scale this, but also not, you know, obviously it's Ruin my it. time. So like, I, well, yeah. I, I can't spend like, you know, 25 hours a week just doing one-on-ones. So that's really how I mentor. But then there's another section on elisalick.com, which is really the personal branding part. And that is consulting. So that is really if you read on brand and you're like, this is amazing. I want to do it. I cannot do this by myself. That is where people can work with me directly to help them work through what's in the book. How many women do you have in this community? Because that's oh, a lot of mark? time. Yeah. Well, right now it's small. It's like 35 women and yeah. hopefully it'll grow. Yeah. But still manageable. Yes. You've right got now. a lot on your plate. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, keeping, keeping it interesting. I, I think it's fantastic. Thank you Thank so you. much for taking all of the lessons that you've learned throughout your life and mentoring through these books, like everyone who has access to it and giving them the ability to do what you did and to create a brand that sticks and to have the confidence to do it and to put on some red lipstick and put on a ring light and call it a day. I, I look at you and your social media posts. And I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. 
God. I don't feel like I have anything to say today. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't put my makeup on on the thing, but I'm trying. Well, first of all, thank you. Second of all, I do want to say to that point, if I don't have something to say, this is why I don't have a content strategy. I don't say it. I think when it becomes obligatory, that's when it's bad. But I also want to say thank you to you because I think the second shift is such an important company. I think what you're doing for women and recognizing the value and the brilliance that so many people have midway through and after a long roll is an extraordinary gift. And I was so excited to join the second shift after I left my corporate role for so many years. And I think it's a really important message that you're putting out that your value doesn't dissipate just because you leave that long-term corporate role and you still have so much to give and multiple partners, projects, et cetera. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. And I'm going to suggest everybody read this book, these books, both, because there's a huge amount that people need to get on. Because this, I think, is a big area where there's like a little bit of a a lack in the, in, <laughs> like as a generationally, it's just not second nature to most of the women in our network. So we've got to get on it and get better at it. So read the books. Thank you. Well, hopefully on brand makes it easy. And if not, I'm, I'm literally an email away. So, all right. Well, I'm going to say thank you so much. This was a great time to just see your face and get to catch up and hear more no, of thank story. you. It was so great. Loved your questions. I really appreciate the support. Take care, good luck, and have fun on the book tour. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women. 